Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and the parent of two young adults, one of which is on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Ilya, and I welcome you today to this episode. Today, I have Sarah Appleman with me, and she is an OT, and her specialty is in, you know, we'll we'll put it in quotes, picky eating, but, you know, food sensitivities, food uh, preferences, food aversions, um, and yeah, I think this is a really timely topic, but before we get into that, um, I'd love it if you just introduced yourself and gave people a little bit of background. Sure. Uh, yeah, I've been an occupational therapist for, I can't believe, 22 years. Uh, it feels like I just graduated last year, but it does go pretty quickly. Um, I have been working with special needs uh, children the entire time. Like I just knew I always liked working with children. Um, I started a company called Pause for Peds where we used animals uh, to help children, like animal-assisted therapy. And then that led me down this path of like just being really creative. That's what drew me to OT. It was like being able to use crafts, fun, and different things. So I started that, which then led me to writing a book with my co-author, Alyssa Alonghi, uh, called uh, Play Paw Prints. And then that was a multi-sensory approach to handwriting using animal base. And so like the A is an alligator with its mouth open and it gave teachers and therapists five different activities to do with the letter A and fun ways to write. And then as I continued on this creative path, um, I saw so many people with this picky eating and I just had to try different things. And then that led me to writing Play With Your Food. So it's just been a, a bunch of fun, different, you know, alternative ways to incorporate therapy to helping kids grow. Awesome. So, yeah, and I, I went to your site and I saw you have your intro video, which you mentioned that you combine your love of cooking and, you know, the work that you do. And I, it's awesome because I know there's also, I saw you on social media and I saw like you cooking with kids and stuff. And so that's like really fun. Um, and I, I think this whole concept of playing with your food, I mean, right, I think there's, before we even get into how it's specific to the population we work with, we've been taught since we were like, right, really little, don't play with your food. And and I remember having some friends, like it would be snack time. I was super little. But I remember she would make animals out of her snack or like her sandwiches. Like she would bite them in different ways. And I was like, ew, that's like gross, you know, and that's because I was told you're not supposed to play with your food. Um, but right, it's like food is this multi-sensory experience in and of itself. So I, I like how you've kind of come like brought those two things together yeah so i'm not a trained chef like people always ask because like i do bake like since i was here my mom used to bake also she went back to school and became a physician's assistant but you know and then i started to get more into the kitchen um but she she baked like she she did 
you know, amazing things and decorate. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But I never was taught, you know, how to do certain things. And I just was like, all right, if we're going to eat, we're going to, I'm going to have to learn how to, you know, get in the kitchen. But like, you know, I just found that for me and my family, when they come home from a long day of school and, you know, my husband comes home from his long day of work and the house smells good, you know, and they know they're going to have that good, tasty, different meal. Like this one wants this and this one wants that. And I'm willing to, you know, do certain things. It's fine. Um, It just does bring them such a comfort. And that's like that basic need for any person, human, is that that comfort, that stability, that home, you know, and it just, it really, especially now during this pandemic, when you're been stuck in your home and you need to make it, you know, enjoyable, <laughs> like as best as with like little kids and this and that and the chaos. So I found that, that for us, mealtime was always such a joyous, good, you know, and having company and they're always like, oh, you should open a restaurant. And I'm like, no. Um, But (laughs) that, that moment where everybody's satiated and happy and it's, it sounds cheesy, but like their stomachs are full and their, they would tell me their souls and their hearts are full and it Mm -hmm. makes you feel good. And then I would study people whose homes that didn't happen, where kids are screaming and fighting, refusing to eat, or even as adults, you know, certain people just stay away. They don't eat fruits, vegetables, dairies, whatever it is. And now how can you make that home? How can you replicate that safe, loving home if you have those adversities? And and it's not intentional, you know, it's something going on. So that's where it all started. Like, how can I share this? And I love to play with your food because it was hard coming up with a name. And yeah, it's like, don't play with your food. Don't do that. And I'm like, no, that, that right there, that strict mindset impacts people for like, even as adult, right? Like we'll turn to our kid and like, don't put that down, put that down, don't do that. And you're just like, but wait a second, if we can all just relax. And now I'm not saying have a food fight or I'm not saying throw, you know, make a terrible mess but just be creative and, you know, turn those negative things from, if you don't eat this, you don't get dessert. If you don't eat this, you can't play your t- you know, game or watch your TV. And that's mm-hmm. just putting up a shield. So yeah. turning it around, yeah. being creative, you know? Yeah. And I think you, you brought up so many points. I think, you know, I really want to touch on that. Um, the the food as comfort piece, especially during times when there's a lot of stress around us, like you're saying now with the pandemic, you know, then it makes that correlation to everybody wanting to bake bread and people doing a lot of right, like all creating new recipes or all this stuff. It's it's because we were trying to bring some stability to a very unpredictable environment, which is still kind of unpredictable. Um, And so that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think when I think about like, the folks that we work with, 
um, you know, I think sometimes there is this, such a negative association with food. And I, I think some of it is because we, we put like, you know, consequences to not eating certain things or um, we create so many strict rules, even in adulthood. I mean, you could just scroll through social media. There's all sorts of rules that we could follow that generally don't work. Um, and right. And so then we wonder why we have people who already have some challenges with sensory sensitivity which you have a great blog on your site that really breaks down like the different components of like a sensory processing challenge and how it relates to food, which I think is great. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, now we already have that on top mm -hmm. of being told you're so picky or why do you only eat X or what, you know, and then now it's like now I'm, I become now a person who has eating issues, right? right? And we, there's, I think that's a big population, not just our folks that we work with, but I think that's yeah. a huge part of the population. I mean, if you think about like, let's just say I, we rarely go out, but let's just say we're going to go out right away. You're like, okay, where do you want to eat? And people always make fun of that, right? Like, oh, we asked the girl where she wants to go to eat and da, 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 da. And I'm like, but why? Because where you want to eat, if you could eat anywhere you want is limited to even how you're feeling on that day. Right. Are you in the mood for salad or soup? Are you in the mood for Italian or, you know, a fusion of, you know, whatever? So it's like you're looking at any given day as adults, we make choices and change them. We're not going to eat, you know, Thai food on Monday and then Thai food Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, some people might, they might love it, but majority of the people will be like, Ooh, I'm feeling like I want something a little spicy today versus mm, I'm not feeling that great. I'm a little tired. I want something comforting, you know, and that's mm -hmm. where that sensory component comes in, even as adults, because we how we feel and how we're interpreting our environment is going to impact everything, our alertness, our balance, coordination, what we put on our what we're wearing, our clothing. Okay. Um, and then of course what we're going to eat. So it is throughout our entire, from childhood to adult affected. I mean, that's why, you know, some days you wake up and you're just like, Oh, I feel sluggish. And now being, having to work or take care of children or whatever we're doing as adults, we can't just call it in and lay down all day and watch Netflix you know, that would be, I would love to just catch up on, you know, some TV shows and not have to do whatever, but we can't, right? We have to pay rent or pay, you know, like mortgages and bills and cars. So we have to function. What do we do to alter? Some people will get up and just go for a walk, run, do yoga, take a shower, have a cup of coffee, you know, and we use external means to, to help ourselves. Well, we kids have a hard time understanding what they need and how to do it. So mm -hmm. they may have that tactile, you know, they need uh, um, an aversion to uh, certain textures. And as a result, they're going to avoid sticky foods or, you know, wet texture or too crunchy or, and so they can't say, I don't like the way this makes me feel. They're just, no, I don't want that. I don't need that. So we have to then look at it through different lens and say, hmm, I've noticed that my child doesn't eat this on any given day. Maybe I need to look mm -hmm. into that a little bit more. 
and adults too. Like they, they, some adults are our ages and older have not been assessed because it's, even though this sensory has been around way back, you know, from world war one to people were learning, but sensory processing with children specifically really woke in about 75 around then in the seventies. But still, when I graduated in 2000, people still weren't talking about it. Only in the last Mm -hmm. few years has it, you know, exploded where people are like, oh, my God, sensory. I know sensory. Maybe a child has a sensory issue. You know, like it's become (laughs) an everyday term. But think about that. So as adults who had sensory issues, we, we didn't have it addressed. We just acclimated and did. It doesn't mean we are in the most productive way. It just means we had to deal with it differently, right? And so sometimes that's a concern too, where parents are Mm -hmm. like, oh, I noticed that when I was a child, I didn't like this. And as an adult, I now avoid that. Whereas if we could have worked through it, we might have decreased anxieties so that they could have better, uh, sometimes it's social with parties or, you know, Mm -hmm. going to concerts or going out to eat even. So it's something that we definitely want to touch on when they're kids so that they could have an easier time as an adult. Yeah. No, yeah, you touched on so many different points. Um, And again, sensory has now become such a common word. I mean, people will even use it to describe their state of being, right? We'll say, oh, I'm just having some sensory issues right now. (laughs) You know, we'll just say that. And that could be like one of a thousand different things. But but at least people will then kind of say, oh, I know you kind of need a little space. Got it. And then, you know, (laughs) so it's becoming part of our day-to-day language, which is nice. Um, But when we think about like specifically you know, with, with food. Um, well, the other thing you add into here is the play piece. So I want to really get into sort of how the book is structured um, and what your strategies are when you're working with people so that uh, we can see how that play component, you know, marries really nicely, I think, with the with food challenges. Yeah, I, so bringing it back, like, again, like I like starting, so I specialize right now ages birth to three and I've worked mm-hmm. from birth to adult. But my specialty is birth to three because I would be working with seven, eight, nine, 15 year old. And I was like, oh, if only I had gotten to you when you were really young, this maybe would have been, you know, a little bit easier on you. So I went back. I would always jump back and forth just to change, you know, for myself to keep myself stimulated and excited about work. But going back to like when I would have children coming to me um, and there are six, seven, eight, and they all were like, you know, by then you could see they don't want to get dirty and they don't want to eat and they don't want to touch certain things. And I'm like, okay, let's bring it back. And so I would start, the book has an overview, very simply put in layman's terms about um, sensory processing and how it could impact on your ability to tolerate food textures and everything. But, and then I break it down to, it's actually a cookbook, you know, recipe book. So it breaks down where it, uh, goes into, let's say an intro, you know, here's what we're going to do. This is what you're going to need. Here are, uh, therapeutic tips on if your child is having a difficult time, try this. 
So that's why I did it because there's, you know, there's a million, oh, let's make, you know, fun cupcakes and let's make fun. But they don't talk about what happens when that kid doesn't want to touch the frosting and doesn't want to, you know, is, is like touching like that, you know. So it'll say before you're going to do this, warm your child up. So, for example, let's say we're going to um, cook anything. It doesn't matter. I would tell the parent warm up with some sensory activities. So you could do heavy work like jumping jacks or push-ups or crab walking or make an obstacle course or take them to the park or anything to get their physical energy out. And then bring it to a tabletop activity. And we're going to, let's say, so one of the big things I do is I have a bin of rice and it's, or you could do beans, doesn't matter. And you have to find hidden objects. So their focus is in on I'm touching the rice is I have to look for the hidden object and you could put their favorite toys. You could put puzzle pieces. You could put, um, you know, objects you're going to use. It, it's just anything you want. And in the beginning, if you notice your kid is like, I always joy like it's like the tiniest finger pinch of like, <laughs> I will not. That is a signal red flag that they don't want to get dirty because it's dry. It's not like I'm asking them to dip their hands in slime. So when I see that, that's an indication of, oh, okay. So then I would maybe give them a spoon, right? Because so that they could help. Oh, let's see. Oh, and then when you find the peas, there it is. Okay, now get it. And I would maybe keep it very superficial. And then the next time we play with it, I would have them dive a little bit deeper until they get desensitized mm -hmm. to it, that they're digging in there and they're used to it. And I've done this with smash graham crackers, you know, make it like a beach day, a beach prep day, kinetic sand, you know. So you're you're getting them used to these textures. And then I have parents make a dough or before they make a dough, you know, we'll go into just water and cornstarch, water and flour, you know, just to get them used to, oh my goodness, look what's happening. And they, if they don't want to waste it, I say, fine, make pancake mix, you know, so you could actually then cook pancakes. And, and there are kids who were not wanting to touch it. And next thing you know, they saw me, they would get their little stool and their spoon. And they were so excited to, to literally, you know, play with these objects because it made them feel calm and less anxious. Um, so I use different methods from playing a memory game and the winner you get, you know, they're playing memory. And then if they get two strawberry pictures, they get to eat the strawberry. Well, instead of it being like, oh no, you got strawberry. You now have to, it's a, yay, you won. You look, you matched two strawberries. Now you get it. That alters that whole interaction into such a positive way that they won and it's a good thing and they don't have to eat it. They could smell it. They could lick it. They could take a tiny bite of it. And then mommy plays or daddy plays or brother plays or sister and they win too. And it, it makes it, I've seen so many kids who refuse to eat excited when they win this. I've done it on zoom sessions in person and it's so cool because then they get like the mom's like, oh, they've never eaten, you know, it's so cool <laughs> and exciting. So you know, that's yeah. how you address it with like the littler kids of, you know, making arts and crafts. I had, the, I had kids make flowers like on the post today, it's a uh, flowers out of like cheese and celery and like kids love it because they get to touch it. And what happens? They're smelling, touching, getting dirty, desensitizing themselves they're more likely to eat it 
the more they interact with it. I think it's really cool when you have people use um, like a spoon to kind of, you know, change it. And I, I actually know some people who, you know, love to cook, but they don't really like the texture of certain foods, especially let's say raw meat or something like that. So they wear gloves, you know, and they put the gloves on and they're able to, and they like serious cooks serious cooking happening but that was the only that was the only thing that was the fix for making it work and i also think this understanding that this is a really step by step process and it's not about you know making it it's not going to happen overnight. I think it's definitely like, let's look at the food. Let's keep it on the same table. Let's maybe put it on the plate, but you don't have to eat it. You could just look at it. You could, and I really love that because it makes it makes it less um, scary and I think less intimidating. And you know, then we can just hopefully we scaffold that so that we build on, um, you know, eat one, we start with one fruit or one vegetable and then we just keep kind of hopefully adding on Absolutely. to that. And I think that's, that's like, even like we said, as adults, like if we made a list of certain things or textures or stuff that we don't like, like I can't stand anything itch, you know, like the sweaters that are itchy or if it gets you I like soft, comfortable clothing, right? And there's a whole line, thank goodness, for like activewear being in fashion because I'm like, perfect, you know? Uh, especially if I'm working with kids, like I don't want to wear, you know, nice thing, you know, just comfortable, but not, you know, bummy looking, right? So, you know, but it's interesting because as an as a child, I remember certain things I had to wear to school or whatever, and I was itchy and so uncomfortable. How did that affect me? in the classroom paying attention. Had that affect me mm -hmm. on the playground? I wouldn't want to run and play, right? Like it's, I would move and feel. So as an adult, there are certain things I also stay away from. And it's the same thing with food. You know, as a child, there are certain things that you may have hated. And then as adults, you may stay away from that type of thing as well. But that doesn't mean that you will never be able to either tolerate it or like it, how do you desensitize yourself? So mm -hmm. if you think about, I don't know, like as a kid, I didn't like broccoli. Now I love broccoli, right? How did that happen, right? It didn't magically happen. It was over time, seeing it on other people's plates, going to restaurants and seeing it in foods. And then me maybe trying it with a different sauce and be like, oh, that tastes actually good and complimenting it. So I tell parents the same thing and adults, if you don't like it plain, make it fun have put out dipping, like cut it up into strips and then add different fun little, you know, in pretty things. It's all about how you display it, you know, and like little containers or little, oh, okay, great. Now dip, let's see, which one do you like better? You know, and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, actually, I like spicy, you know, hummus versus a ranch dressing or I like peanut butter with this one, you know, and all, all of a sudden kids are like, oh, this is fun. Now let me try this with the red uh, pepper as opposed to the orange one and see if that mm -hmm. changed my, you're doing the same thing. <laughs> They're eating, right? but you're pairing it. So I tell even adults like who don't like certain things try with cheese sauce, try with a ranch, try with a hollandaise. All of a sudden, you may actually come to like that vegetable. Right. And, you know, again, I think um, 
I like this approach. I think one of the things I want to address is the idea of, well, why, why if people have aversions to certain things, right? Because this is a conversation that's happening right now in the, you know, autism community. Mm -hmm. If people have aversions, well, maybe that's just how people are designed, right? Like, like, I don't like itchy sweaters either. I've completely, this wool does not exist in my <laughs> closet, right? So I can make that choice as an, mm -hmm. as an adult now knowing, but you're right, as a kid, my mom probably put it on me and she was just like, it looks cute, just put it on. And I wouldn't say no, right? Because I'm, I'm a kid. Um, so I, where do we, I mean, I think there is an important component of kind of building, you know, building some tolerance for some sensory sensitivities for sure. Um, but can you help us understand? I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not an OT, so I'm not going to be the one to talk about, but I know you could probably say it way better about why is it important to kind of work through some sensory sensitivities? Yeah, so I, you're 100% right. There's certain things that you're like, big deal. They don't like itchy sweaters, right? Like who cares? But fine, that's true. As adults, you'll stay away from that and you'll, you know, find something that's comfortable and appropriate. The problem is when you're a child and you have things that, and, and again, I'm going to say this, it is a spectrum. The sensory processing is a spectrum. So you have children who are under-responsive and seeking sensation, and then you have children all the way over here who are over-responsive and therefore they avoid any situation that would you know, to do it. So we call it like the runners, the seekers, the, they jump, they touch, they bang, they roll in dirt, they don't care. And then on the other end, kids who will not go on playground equipment and they won't touch you know, anything and they don't want to get messy, right? And then you have combo platters of kids will run and kids will run and jump, the combination of they'll run and jump, but then they don't want to get dirty. So you you have all those right. Things. I love I love the combo the platter. combo platter. That's what I call it because I'm just like <laughs> you can't great. like label every. Well, okay, you're in this category because <laughs> it's not true and accurate. So I'm like, all right, combo platter of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but you still have to address it because what happens? So that child who doesn't partake in arts and crafts, right? So they don't want to glue. They don't know. There could be also underlying concerns. And that's what I tell parents. I'm like, if you're bringing me a sensory child, they're not, they may have also fine motor, visual perceptual, visual motor. It's going to affect handwriting. It's going to affect eye-hand coordination. So sports might be an issue or dance if you want your child to go into dance. So you really want to figure out that bottom, what's going on. And let's just say, so you have a kid, or even if you have two kids in kindergarten, and it's time to open the pumpkin and get the seeds out and design, right? You're going to have kids literally gagging, throwing up, refusing to touch, have a full-on meltdown. You have the kid who dives headfirst into it and is covered head to toe. And then you have the kid who's just like, they want to play with it, but they're, they're nervous. They don't like the way it smells or feels, but they don't want to feel left out of the class. So there's all this going on. So how do you address each child? So the kid who's like bouncing up and down, I like to give like that deep pressure and calming and maybe like they, you know, they could even do it to themselves like a deep massage and you have like a sensory cushion they sit on and then you give them, okay, let's take a deep breath and then let's just scoop. And our target is to put it into this bowl, right? So you're giving them an activity. The kid who doesn't want to touch anything uh, because they're, they're so nervous, 
I would say that's fine. Perfect. That's a kid. You give the the gloves, you give them the spoon, you give them, you just have to maybe do one or two times. So they feel accomplished and that's okay for them. And, you know, the kid in the middle, I always say like, okay, you're going to count how many seeds one at a time. So maybe each kid is a little bit different. And then if you don't address it at that early stage, then the kid who maybe wanted to really do it but was anxious, you know, they're going to start avoiding so many things. And they could be, you know, a great artist who just didn't want to touch charcoals and paints and stuff. You don't want them to, to miss out on what they could be because of their sensory stuff. And you don't want the kid who's labeled the disruptive kid to be that because they maybe aren't. And you see children who, when they are properly addressed, have friends, open up more, get more confident and secure with themselves. And that changes their path throughout their school year. And, you know, like I said, I've, I've been in high schools where kids are low muscle tone and they can't move. And like one kid fell in, in his like hallway. Kids just walked around him, didn't, didn't pick. And it broke my heart. And I'm like, oh, I'm coming into that classroom for free. <laughs> and I'm giving a lecture on, you know, how to work and how, you know, how to help this child. And like, we had therapists in the building who like would keep an eye and they said, oh my goodness, he's come out of his shell. He has friends. They're more aware of the situation. They're sensitive towards it. And, you know, I don't want any kid to feel left out or insecure or have issues that they didn't address, you know? And when you see that positive growth and that, that happiness where kids who were, you know, have balance issues or sensory issues, now I, I worked with them and now they're on sports teams with friends, you know, and the parent will call me eight years later and be like, he made it to the high school, you know, basketball team. And I'm like, oh my God, like how exciting is that? So, you know, it's, it's just, I don't want them to feel that they can't partake with things because of, of sensory concerns. That's the yeah. And I think that's what we don't realize how much of a barrier it actually can be. And I love how you say, you know, like the kid who maybe could have been an artist or could have engaged in a, in a sport or some other activity or a chef for that matter. Right. Where, but because we wouldn't know because they wouldn't have had the opportunity to explore in the same way that maybe neurotypical kids would be able to. Um, and I think, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think for there are many adults now or teenagers now who maybe didn't have, like you said, didn't have that opportunity. Um, but I think the brain is such an amazing thing, right? Like it can still learn and it can still figure out um, you know, new ways to kind of still work through some of those, you know, sensory, you know, difficulties. A hundred percent. And and even like we said, like adult kids, if you're working on something and you make it fun, like exercise, right? How many people just get up and want to go for a run? There are runners and there's everybody else. Like, you know, like <laughs> I get up and I go for a run, not because I love it, because I like how I feel when I'm done with it, right? And it gets all my energy out and I can focus myself and I've learned that. So how can you make it fun? Well, that's why they have a thousand different studios, right? Because there's populations that go to boxing or 
they do that orange theory or they do whatever because they know that fits their style. So you cannot put everybody neatly into a little, you know, category. Everybody's different. Everybody likes different things. That's okay. It's just, we don't want you to not, to miss out on an opportunity because you're limited for something that you could have helped. So that's really what it comes down to. And, you know, adults who have balancing issues, they're adults taking classes I see at circus centers and, and getting stronger and or they're getting more flexible or, you know, because they just were very tight and had high tone and didn't think they could do it. And I've seen them and it's really cool to watch adults make uh, these changes and, and overcome things that obstacles that were in their way. Yeah. No, and I think that's the other thing. It's not about, I love how you said that because it's not about changing who someone is inherently. We don't want cookie cutter people. We don't want people who all like the same things. And um, and I think it's really just more about, I, and I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but like maximizing what someone's potential 100%. is to, yep. to explore the world around them. And I think that's a much different uh, way that I think we have to remember that that's really what this type of work is about. And I think, and I think that's true for lots of different therapies that our kids, you know, will engage in or have engaged in. Um, so yeah, I mean, thank you so much. I think this is, this is really exciting. I really love, um, your approach here. And, uh, I think we should definitely send people to your site because you have some good information on there. Anywhere else that people can find more of your work? Uh, yeah. So I know we do like, uh, Instagram, it's play with your food book and the, the site, I don't like, there are so many people who charge for their sites and I, have been in positions where one of my children had, you know, issues and sensory needs and concerns that I had to, you know, try to find way back then. And I just felt bad. Like, I don't, I don't want parents to have to pay for stuff that should come to them naturally, you know, like through help and, and resources. So I have blogs that I've been writing handouts that are free downloadables. Um, and all of it uh, is for, for them to just use and, Parents could send questions through the website to me, um, and I'm happy I've done consultations or answered questions for them. Um, then there's uh, TikTok, like Sarah Appleman is the just, and it shows like a couple of easy things that I'm doing there. Um, so yeah, just I, I really try to help because I, I want people to, you know, be able to go out with their kids and not have that anxiety for themselves and be able to feel comfortable um, and enjoy, enjoy mealtime. That's what it should be about, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I will definitely put all of those uh, contact information in the description. And again, if, you know, if people want to reach out to you and find you, that'd be great. And if still no, they can reach out to me and I'll be able to point them in your direction. Mm -hmm. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Excellent. All right. We'll take care. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh. And if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. I also offer training, consultations, and parent coaching 
and would love to help you in any way that I can. You can check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com. And when you join my email list, you can get a code to receive a discount off of an online class or a coaching session. Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care and see you next time.